right. Hello, 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 and uh, welcome back to uh, part two of our 1982 uh, season preview. Uh, we're going to pick up where uh, basically where we left off. By my count, we have six more teams to talk about. Before we get to the pure contenders for the President's Trophy first overall, let's talk about the cheer of kind of also rans, teams we think are going to finish maybe just out of the playoff spots. Glenn, you want to kick us off here? Like, who do you have kind of in that five, four, five, six zone? Uh, oh, sorry. So you're saying not not the well, absolute top shelf guys, but the next. Yeah, team. yeah. Well, okay, let, so let, let's put well, it this way: what's the what's the next best, the, the next worst team that we haven't talked about yet? Well, by ratings, it's Montreal. He has he has the worst farm system, but for almost the youngest lineup. So he has a lot of young guys starting. So. And he has the lowest payroll next to St. Louis. So he's doing it on a super, super tight budget. But, you know, his, I mean, his bullpen isn't that great, probably because he traded Castro, but he does have a really good closer. But I guess, again, I'm, I'm counting multiple guys in the pen, but he does have an excellent closer. He, he does have good starters. So you give him credit there. His up to middle defense is excellent. He has the well, third best Denver, Detroit have are tied for the best up the middle defense, and then Montreal is third. So, so his pitching is going to benefit. And I've always liked this guy's lineup because any team that has a power hitting catcher has a leg up, and he has Bump Wills, who is a good offensive second baseman. So, Gorman Thomas, he has is essentially a gold glove power hitting center fielder. So, I, I think he's he's going to be pretty good because of those things. But again, just by total ratings, he doesn't add up to that much because he has other positions that that don't contribute a lot. Like, you know, he has Bostock, you know, as like a two-war player uh, and, and, and at a corner outfield position. You know, he has Hoffman, the third baseman, like a one-war player. It's, it's hard to win if you're not getting like significant contributions from those like, you know, standard first left right now he did trade for hurdle so this is like my stealth pick for a guy who's gonna like really mash i didn't really want to trade hurdle per se but i had a chance to get a a higher draft pick so i so i did that but hurdle just crushed for me so we'll see how he does i mean his yeah so so long story short uh, so again he's kind of in that middle impact but because his defense is really good because he has good players at premium positions i think he's he's not nowhere near you know, the bottom tier, but it's also hard to see him breaking into the top tier too. So is that what you kind of mean? Like he's in the middle, <laughs> he's a little bit above, he's above the bottom, but he's not all the way to the top. I don't know what's that making. Yeah, sure. Let's, uh, Peter, what are your thoughts on Montreal? So I actually, yeah, I only put like two or three notes per team and Clint Hurdle was one of my notes too. I, I do like that pickup. Yeah, I think the pitching is very boom or bust. A couple of those guys sometimes have great seasons, sometimes don't do anything. I, I don't understand some of the outfield. I mean, Gorman Thomas, I don't know if he hits 45 home runs again. So there was a lot on his shoulders. And the corner outfielders, I feel like, could have been upgraded. Like, this is another one of those teams. Like, make, like, two moves, trade some picks, and maybe you're in the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, you, you never know. Right? Like, this is a team that maybe could have picked up a Tom Grieve and gone, let me take my shot at this, or even a Ken Singleton. And let me take a shot at this. I think the corner OFs could have been upgraded. And maybe this is a completely different team. But I think the lineup right now heavily relies on Gary Carter, Gorman Thomas. The rest are like likable guys and they're all decent. 
but I don't know if they're great. So I would agree. I mean, it's probably an 85 to 90 win team, but I have a feeling they're going to finish four or five out of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much on the same page, although I don't know if I necessarily necessarily agree about the corner outfielders. I mean, Warren Cromartie is a nine defense in left field, and he had an 835 OPS last year. I mean, that's pretty productive. Uh, and, and Bostock, I mean, again, you know, he's a seven-corner right fielder, and again, 851 OPS last year. So not hitting a lot of home runs, obviously, but he's producing in other ways. I mean, he had 33 doubles. But I, I get, you know, I get what Pete's saying about maybe, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Joe feels Joe feels a little bit like, uh, you know, the, the sort of Jeff of the East. He just doesn't seem like he makes a lot of moves, doesn't make a lot of trades. He's pretty reluctant to make trades. And so he's holding a lot of the same cards year in and year out. And unfortunately, when you got teams, you know, sort of shuffling the deck around you, that kind of leaves you in a bit of stasis. And I think that's kind of where they are. I mean, they're like a good team, no doubt about it. I mean, the pitching, starting pitching staff on paper looks very good. And the D and the offense and the defense also both look, you know, better than serviceable, but I don't think that's going to win you any championships. And I also don't think it's going to get you fourth place, which is all you really need now. So I, it feels a little bit like that sort of, you know, San Francisco limbo thing where it's just like, just keep carrying these guys for as long as possible. And maybe one year it'll all hit and, uh, and, you know, and the magic will happen, but you can only do that for so long before it all starts to sort of, uh, you know, fall, fall down around you. So. I'm actually quite bullish on this team. First point is, is the obvious when they haven't made a lot of changes from last year, right? So the 80 and 72 last year, which was, by the way, that was a 26 win improvement. So they were much improved from the year before. In 1980, they were 12th in both runs and runs against. Last year, they jumped up to fourth and fifth. They were the only team other than Seattle in the top five in both offense and defense. So I think you take that. And then also by looking at the positional rankings, they've got... Uh, they're the only team that has five, they have five guys in the top five, zero in the bottom five. And I should point out the, the lineup is he's kind of got a stealth move going here because he, he's got Steve Kemp in right field. The guy hit, uh, he had a 780 OPS last year, 26 years old. He's a 767. Uh, he's not in the starting lineup. So basically you put Kemp in there in place of Bostock, Bostock or shuffle the order around, um, for some reason, he doesn't have Kemp in in his starting lineup. I think this is a team that, uh, you know, they were pretty close last year. They had 80 wins, um, which put them, what, that's still like 10 games out of the playoff spots. But um, I think this team can make a run for the top four, for sure. I think they're nicely balanced. He's got decent contact hitters, a fair amount of power, good starters, good, you know, not, not excellent in one, any one area, but I think he's pretty good in, in every area. And that, that's one of the things that kind of makes a team somewhat slump proof, right? Is if you're, if you're, if you're good, if not, but not great at a bunch of different things, then if something falls off the rails in one area, like you can still plug along, but I'm pretty bullish on Montreal. I don't know that I necessarily have them in my top four, but I could, I would probably put them maybe definitely solid fifth or sixth. Well, can I follow up on that? So if you subtract, so thank you for, I didn't notice that Kemp, if you take out Bostock and replace him with Kemp by ratings count, you gain five ratings points. He'd be one point behind Chicago. And I think most people think Chicago is like an elite team, right? Or at least playing for a playoff play. So, no. so that puts Montreal in that neighborhood. Yeah. Not everyone. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, I guess we'll get to that. 
But you, you know, you, you made a good point. They made a huge jump, got better on, on defense and offense. And I think a lot of it goes to Gorman Thomas. So that's why I'm saying, I think he made, if he would have made one more Gorman Thomas style move, I would have put him in my top four. I think that's all he, that's all he would need is do one of those Manhattan trades where here's my next two first rounders. Give me a stud. That's it. I go to one of these teams. That's, sort of rebuilding, but has some 30-year-old stud on it, and go grab them. All right, so the teams we have left. Let, let's just talk about who we have left. We have the two World Series teams, Detroit, LA. We've got Seattle, pennant winner last year. We've got Chicago and Boston. So which one of these five do we want to talk about next? Let's say, Glenn, start with you with the ratings. Which, which of these is the lowest in the ratings? Well, Chicago's the lowest. All right, those so five. Why is Chicago not not uh, a, a pennant contender? <laughs> don't ask me. Don't ask me because every year Chicago scores low by total ratings, but every year he competes. Yeah. So I'm not. Right, I'll ask, ask let, me, let me ask Lance. Lance, why is Chicago not a pennant contender this year? Well, they're not not a pennant contender. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm also that's, that's the wrong person answer. to ask. That's a great answer, dude. <laughs> it's uh, they're uh, they are a pennant contender. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, I think they're not the same team that they used to be. Um, you know, when we switched back over to the uh, sort of single table, as you're calling it, um, you know, my mindset was I don't have to win my division. No, it's, it's the old thing where it's, you know, it's the old saying, like, I don't have to be faster than the lion. I just have to be faster than one other person, one other person. And that's my goal. My goal is just to be that much better than or than the the team that I think we finished fifth or in this case, second in the East, which would be Boston. So that's all I'm aiming for. And I, I think the team is set up to do that. Uh, so that's not really an answer to why they're not a contender. That's an answer to why they are a contender. I don't know if you'll need to continue down that path. So I, I had Chicago on my top four. I actually have Boston on the outside looking in. I, I mean, Chicago for what, 80% of last season, it looked like there was absolutely no chance anyone was even going to touch them. So that same team is coming on the field next year with some improvements to guys like Tim Raines. So I have no idea why I would put him out of the playoffs. You know, you all sat Chamberlain into that lineup. So Andre Dawson got a bump. I'm sure Mike Witt will get another bump. Um, I don't know how he got Ron Schuler for basically nothing. I mean, I think that guy is, is a pretty good three, four starter. So, I mean, you know, the only concern point is maybe Singer finally gets old, but he hasn't slowed down that much either. So, you know, it's still one of the best defenses, a very, very concentrated offense on a certain strategy that seems to work really well. And then starters one through five in a pen, like, I don't know. I know the ratings don't come out to say it, but I, I'm not sure what's to dislike. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sort of, I mean, the, the definitely the old guys are getting old. I feel like they're getting old, unfortunately, maybe one season before I would have wanted it. I mean, Singer and uh, Wilson and McGinn all got downgrades, unfortunately. But, you know, for Singer, a downgrade means that he becomes maybe a league average pitcher. I mean, he's still, you know, he still totals to a 20. So, you know, if he becomes a league average pitcher, you know, I mean, I moved him down to the three spot because of that. You know, I mean, McGann and Wilson are in the bullpen right now to give Schuler and Christensen an opportunity to start and see what they can do. You know, if I have problems there, then, you know, 
you know, Don Wilson maybe goes back into the rotation. I got Mike Lacoste in a trade as well. I like is this, this is like a prototypical sort of Glenn pitcher four stuff, nine movements, six control. I mean, he's got three pitches that are five or better. I mean, he's 24 years old, so he might get an opportunity to pitch. Like, I don't think it's maybe quite the same pitching staff, but I also don't think it's, I mean, considering what I had to do last year to cobble a pitching staff together with the number of injuries that I got, uh, that, you know, received, I think it's it's solid, solid pitching staff and a solid bullpen and really good defense. And I actually like this lineup better than last year's lineup. I mean, Tim Raines got finally got his bump up. He's a seven contact. He got bumps in his contact and in his eye. So like he is now, I think the leadoff hitter you would want him to be, and he still has, you know, he still has ceiling that he can reach and mean to be a nine contact. So I was able to actually stack the lineup in a way that I would have wanted to do it last year. Poor Robin Young has had to be a, a leadoff hitter and when he, which he shouldn't have had to have been for the last couple of seasons. Now he gets to move down and be a, a two hitter and, you know, follow that with Chambliss and Cooper and Dawson, as Pete mentioned, got an upgrade. Uh, you know, uh, Mosby, who's, you know, rated as the best center fielder in the league, and then Dillard and, you know, Pokerobe. I mean, I got, I got rid of Gedman. Gedman looked like he was going to be, you know, a really, you know, terrific um, uh, sort of uh, defensive catcher and an offensive catcher when he matures. But I mean, I don't feel like Jody Davis is that much of a step down from him uh, also. And he also has power, more power now. So I honestly think this team has the pieces to to compete and to to get again enough wins i just need one more win than boston that's all i need and i think all the parts are there to make that happen no i'm, I'm with you on that i was messing with you in the beginning of the <laughs> segment but uh, but i will say like i was kind of messing with you but when i when i say pennant contender I, i'm talking literally about can you win the west division and i think that those are obviously two different questions but i think you're absolutely right i do see um like last year the top three teams are going to come out of the west i do think that both LA and Seattle are a little notch ahead of these ahead of Chicago, but I have Chicago in the top four as well. And I do think they will edge out, edge out Boston. A couple of things, one note there, I think the one big roster upgrade uh, Chambliss for Obergefell, I think is a big, um, you already mentioned rain starting in left field, but now um, Chambliss in there uh, gives you a lot more offense than, than Obergefell did. So Last year, you were number one in pitching, ninth in offense. So again, if, even if you bump that up to like seventh, you're kind of like the anti-Denver, right? It's like if you finish first in one, come in seventh in the other, that's usually enough to get you in. So just slightly more, just a little bit more run production. And then uh, and, and then you, you should be golden. One thing I will point out, though, is that um, Mike Witt, as awesome as he was, rookie of the year, 15 and five, 235. If you look at his ratings, like... Like, okay, yeah, his ratings are good, but there's a bunch of guys who have similar ratings who had never had anywhere near a season of that. So there's a question there. Was that, um, is that sustainable? Is Witt going to, will he regress more to what his rating should be? Or is there something else going on there? Is, you know, is he going to be 15 to five again this year? Um, you know, that's, that's one question. And then the other question mark, you got Larry Christensen, um, three and one last year. So I don't know. I guess he was out with injury or something. He's yeah. He got hurt. He missed, missed a lot of the season. Yeah. So he missed a lot. So um, again, that could just be, he comes back and does just as well, but um, you never know. That's always a question mark when a guy is out for, for a long stretch, is he going to be as effective as he was? He was 1.97. 
in, in limited, limited play, but um, yeah, I definitely have Chicago and I have them in the top four, I think just ahead of Boston. Glenn, I can see you want to talk. <laughs> dude, it's all right. No, I mean the whole dude, the whole team turns on the Yount Mosby axis. I mean, that, that that's, those are the two best guys, right? If you were starting a team today, those would be like, you know, two of the top three picks probably. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's like we just said Montreal, like Montreal's whole season rests on, he has some up the middle studs. Well, the absolute best up the middle studs in the league are these arguably those two guys. So I, again, you're going to be in it. I, I think that's a genius. Frankly, I didn't think of it in those terms, or at least I didn't frame it like that, but to just say, well, I don't need to be, you know, I'm not going to catch LA, but that doesn't matter. Right. That's not my bogey. All I have to do is, is finish ahead of one of Seattle or Boston and I'm in. Right. So, so I think that that's genius framing. And, um, on that, on those grounds, I think you, you know, you, you've made a very strong case. You got a very good team. So, even though Boston's rating total is higher, again, again, my ratings count always, always undercuts you or, or, or fails to account for what you're doing. So, so yeah, that, that's it. You're in good shape, bro. Let's move on to the top four then. I mean, we already did talk about the top four, but that's fine. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know. Okay, sure. sure. <laughs> Peter, do you have Chicago finishing ahead of Boston? I do. Yeah, I have Chicago finishing ahead of Boston. I have so, Boston so, finishing yeah. fifth or sixth. All right, let's talk about Boston then next, because I think that's a logical next place to go. So, Glenn, you want to get us started with Boston? Yeah, well, by ratings, I guess. So, again, so two years ago, or maybe it was even last year, I actually, unfortunately, I didn't refer to my um, prior season stats. Boston was the highest rated team, right? So, so even though you know, he's taken injuries or some guys have transitioned out like Stinnett transitioned out. Uh, he still has very good, very good ratings. So <laughs> you still have Russell, you know, after Durker is the best, the absolute best starter. He has Porter who is the absolute best catcher. He has six does, one of the absolute best players, right? So yeah, Bando's an elite third baseman, Mullenix elite offensive shortstop, Herndon elite offensive center. So, I mean, the guys, again, he's going to score a ton of runs, but where it kind of breaks down. And, oh, also he made several moves. So credit to this guy for making a ton of moves to address his bullpen. His bullpen was like horrific last year. He traded with Vays actually for a 22 rated reliever who has three stamina and three pitches. So I don't know. There's an emergency starter, perhaps. But oh, and also Randy Jones, the great Randy Jones got an upgrade. Now he's 22 rated and Minori's back from injury. So all of a sudden his bullpen went from a weakness to a a very real strength. And you're going to get figs back. Um, at the all-star break, essentially, right? So you're going to get back like last year's or two years ago, Cy Young winner at the all-star break. So that's like making the trade. So, so on the one hand, that's like amazing. He should be in it. The thing that he did though, so I always sacrificed defense at one position to try and get elite offense. And I did that for Mullinex at shortstop. But now, and I tried to cover that with Stinnett, who's a 10 at second base. But now he signed Orda, and Orda's a good offensive player, but he's also a three at second base. So if you have a three at shortstop and a three at second base, that is going to debilitate or take a uh, take a bite out of your pitching. So even if you have the highest rated or among the highest rated pitching, you got to give him a bit of a haircut there. His defense is the second worst in the league. Only Seattle of all teams, Seattle's worse. So again, the ratings are still exceptionally high. 
But if you subtract something for the defense, um, I think it's likely he, you know, he underperforms. Yeah, just to jump in here, the reliever you're referring to is Dave Beard, who is uh, mm-hmm. looks like one of the best uh, setup guys in the league uh, right now. It's seven, eight, seven ratings. Um, only pitched 17 innings in the majors last year, but they keep he was Pete. He was he was a key guy in the playoffs for you, wasn't he? Yeah, I feel like he. he did, I feel like he had a good postseason. Let's see, he had. Oh, oh no, wait, sorry. <laughs> uh, two innings, thirteen point five year. It was someone else. Oh, so it's I thought I was, he did better too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so the thing, the thing I, I think about Boston is they've got like a secret weapon. Right? That's like they've got a Cy Young winner, like coming out of like it's like a super sub on a season level super sub, right? If uh, if Figueroa comes comes back. And is even partway as effective as he was. I think I, I write this in the in the preview issue. If Boston's close at, at say beginning of August, if there are just a few games back, you almost have to give them the uh, that makes them a, a favorite because if they get that, if, if Figgy comes in there and he's even half as effective as he was before, that essentially knocks the fifth that whatever his fifth starter is out of the, out of the rotation for the remainder of the year, and you know they should finish they should finish strong. But you know there's a lot of ifs there. You know they have to they have to stay close. You know to that point in the season. I do think the biggest weakness of the team is probably starting pitching, and and obviously that's going to be affected by the the defense. As Glenn mentioned, the three and three up the middle is going to definitely hurt hurt the ERAs. Some of the problems I saw in this team are, you know, the three, four, five starters to me are not championship starters. Those guys would be fine for four or five at best or emergency. Figs is coming off a fourteen month injury. So I don't know if he's going to be the same. Bert Blylevin used to be an 8.78 rated guy. He's now 5.78. And while Iron Mike's not the smartest, it hasn't rated as a borderline SP at this point. I mean, he used to be him, Figs, and Russell. That was like the best one, two, three in the league. Now it's Figs is out. Blylevin is okay. Like he's probably a great number three, probably not a great number two anymore. And then as Glenn mentioned, yeah, I noticed the up the middle defense is, I mean, as bad a defense as I've put out there before, I'm not even sure I would try a three shortstop, three second baseman. And I've had Orta play second and long time ago when my team, all they did was mash. Um, but that, that's a little bit extreme to have two guys up the middle that are that bad. Yeah, to be fair, he has Daryl Porter, a catcher, who I think is an eight, and then Larry Herndon in center field is a seven. So it's not four, it's not horrible across the board but middle infield for sure i mean that's gonna that's a lot of you know routine grounders that that, that kind of squib you know squib between right over second base and like oh there goes another hit that should have been an out yeah i mean i mean i second all of that and you know when your number one starter um is an extreme ground ball pitcher and you put you know those two guys up the middle then you just made you know <clears throat> you've made an elite level Cy Young potential level pitcher in Russell that much. You made him, you made him worse by having that kind of up the middle defense. And I think that that, um, you know, that's going to probably come back to haunt them in a, in a couple of games where he is the guy that you are going to rely on to get you the most wins. And if that defense even costs you one or two wins, that could mean the difference between again, finishing fifth and finishing fourth. So yeah. Cause again, so you're right. You get things back. 
uh, after the all-star break, but that's figs after the all-star break. So that's, you know, three and a half months of the season without him. So I, I think it's enough to keep this team finishing just, just on the outside looking in. And figs is an extreme ground ball pitcher too, by the way. So his one, two starters are going to be relying on that infield. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move forward. So we have three teams left, right? Detroit, LA, Seattle. Well, let's start with this question. Does anyone not have Detroit, LA, Seattle in the top four? Oh, no, no. Okay. So I think we've, we've struck on, I think the consensus there was kind of Chicago, Boston are contenders fighting for the fourth spot. I don't even know if we've, if there's a sixth team in that mix, I don't really have one. I think it's kind of like it's top three and then Boston, Chicago, but so who should we talk about next? So Glenn already kind of tipped his hand. You mentioned Seattle makes it sound like you have Seattle third. Is that right? Yep. That's right. By rating Seattle third. Yeah. His pitching is good. His bullpen isn't that good, but he does have no, he has a good closer, but not a great closer. Victor Cruz came into the league, like a super elite, right? He's taken a bunch of downgrades. So now he adds to 20 in closer terms. That's, you know, that, that's nothing to get excited about. His setup guy is Steve Lefty Carlton, who's like an 18. So his, so his bullpen isn't good. His starters are good. And I, I think another consideration here, like we just talked about for Boston, is that his defense is poor. He has the worst up the middle defense. Now, having said that, this kind of is like the uh, Montreal example where the, the stated lineup, you know, for Montreal had Bostock over Kemp here. The lineup has Griffey over Coggins. So Coggins is an elite center fielder, but here he has Griffey in center, presumably because of his leadoff abilities. But Griffey's a horrible center fielder. And this guy's entire lineup or uh, rotation, save one, is either neutral or extreme fly ball pitchers. So he's kind of like, <laughs> he is doing the opposite or the mirror image, I guess, of what Boston's doing. So uh, uh, pitching wise, but offensively, he's also like Boston. He has some of the most, he has, you know, just superb offensive players. So, you know, OBP terms, he has the third best OBP in the league. He's tied with Boston for the third best OBP in the league. So, you know, I mean, any, any lineup that starts Molitor, Carew, Robinson, like, I feel like he's going to score. Right. And then, and he has one of the most, uh, he plays in one of the most extreme offensive ballparks as well. So, so to me, the dude, he's going to score a ton. He has, as I said, uh, you know, Coggins on the bench, Cusick on the bench. Those are like all-star up the middle players. He's not even using. Right. So, so, so I think it's going to be like, he might have the number one offense. And he's just hoping that his pitching, uh, you know, he, he can overcome his crappy defense. So, so he, so he's going to be quite good. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he had the number one offense last year. So uh, this is a very intriguing team. So he's managed in two years and in, in the last two years, he's managed. To, he got uh, Joe Torrey last year in the off season. This year, Torrey moves on, and he and who does he get? C. Rob, arguably the only player in the history of the league better than Torrey. He gets right the year after Tory leaves, and then he adds Rod Carew, who's still you know a career three thirty one hitter. And these guys are batting after the the season's batting champion monitors so the three fifty eight. So this is this is a team that is um, they're going to score a ton. He's got three hundred RBI guys. He's got three guys with more than thirty home runs. 
we didn't even mention Ellis Valentine and Benny Ayala. So he had the fourth best pitching last year. Yeah, he did lose Bob Walk. The bullpen's not that great. So pitching's probably going to tail off a little bit, but this team's just going to beat you into submission. And I don't know, I, it's, it's hard for me to pick between this team and LA because I just think Seattle's offense is just so overpowering that um, they're going to be right up there at the end at the end of the season. Seattle's offense is scary. That's all there is to it. I mean, Craig Robinson is a guy I've been metagaming for years. He's the reason I went out to get Holtzman. He's one of the reasons I drafted John Martin. He's the reason I put lefties in my bullpen. So, I mean, I half my team is to battle Craig Robinson in case I ever made it to the World Series. I needed lefties because it downgrades him two at every in-contact power eye. So it makes him human. Um, so, I mean, adding that guy to the team is, I don't know, probably the, the best offseason move, in my opinion. He's still by far and away the best player in the league. So I think the offense is going to make up for any problems that defense has, or even if the pitching is only the league average. He's got pretty much the Manhattan formula at this point, which led to, what, four straight championships? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tim. I I'm it's, uh, it's a toss up for me between I think Seattle and and L A as far as winning the West and p- potentially being the best team uh, in the UL altogether. Um, and I will say that I mean, you know, Glenn mentioned that they weren't very good up the middle. I mean, I I mean, you know, Don Money is a starting sort of shortstop. He's a terrific shortstop. You know, he's a eight rated shortstop. But I, I get the center field thing. I mean, I think he just doesn't have a place to put Griffey with Valentine and Ayala in there. So unfortunately he ends up being the center fielder, which is, you know, may end up costing them uh, here and there. But yeah, I mean, you take this offense that was, you know, as good as it was last year, and then you add C-Rob to it. I mean, it is, that's a frightening prospect to go up against these guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough to say that this is going to be, uh, you know, a second place team. It's just, it's hard to, to say that, but I mean, at the same time, you know, you look at sort of the pitching and it's like, it's good, but it's, it's not like, I'm not overwhelmed by the starting rotation. I mean, Larry McWilliams lost in 19 games last year, you know, Don Robinson is a fine pitcher, nothing special. I mean, Bill Butler, you know, he did all right for me when he came over, but I mean, part of that is getting to pitch. I mean, any, any pitcher who gets to come to Chicago and pitch in that ballpark is most likely going to get better. And now he gets to go to a, you know, one of the most offensive ballparks in, in the league. So that's probably not going to help Bill Butler. So that's, you know, putting a lot on the shoulders of Candelaria and, and Wayne Simpson. So, you know, that's, if there's going to be a weakness, it's going to keep them from, from winning the division over LA. It's probably going to be the starting pitching. All right. So there's Seattle. So, all right, we're down to our last two, Detroit and L.A. These are the two uh, World Series teams. Did not, L.A. did not win the pennant, came in second in the West, but got to the World Series and won their first UL championship last year. Detroit, and they made the playoffs last year also. So, I mean, who do we have between these teams? What do you guys think of who's going to be the runner-up in this beauty contest? Yeah, yeah, Detroit and L.A. Um, so um, L.A. edges out. L.A. is the highest-rated team. So, so yeah, I'd be glad to talk about Detroit if you want. So, I mean, so these are the two best LA and Detroit are the two best pitching teams. They have the two best starters. They have two of the best bullpens, though, not the very best, you know, they're, let's look at their positional total. So, so I do a thing where basically I count everything up and then I, I highlight the areas in which 
their teams are number one in the category. LA is number one in nine categories and Detroit is number one in four categories. So, so these guys are, I mean, again, they're the two, they're the two very best teams. So there's, there's not a lot to, to choose between them. What the hell are you um, doing? What the hell are you doing when you have 13? What are these 13 categories? You're looking at like facial hair, starters, like, star, you know, starters, ag- aggregate, starters, aggregate, well, aggregate well, height, them. like, you know, number of players born west of the Mississippi river. Like what the hell? Dude, some of it, it is uh, some of it is double counting because if you're counting like starters, relievers, and then pitcher total, right? Well, I mean, you know, the total is just a function of the first two, right? So the for LA, if you're number one in starters, you, you know that that goes a long way towards being number one in, you know, in, in total SP or also top three. That's another one. Well, again, if you're number one in SP, you're, you're probably number one top three, and you're probably number one there. So, so again, let's not talk about LA. Let's just focus on Detroit for a second. So. So, so he, so he, so again, he has, he has the second best starters. He has one of the best bullpens. He has the best up the middle defense, right? Him in Denver, Detroit and Denver, the best up the middle defense. He has elite up the middle players, right? He travels amazing, right? And, and, and then you look at the, the corner positions. He's got Henderson. He's got Horner. So he has an elite offense by OBP. So I count OBP. Guess who the top two OBP teams are? LA and Detroit. So even though we just said oh, Seattle is going to lead the league and run scored, um, you know, the, the actual two highest OBP teams are, are these two. Um, so, and, and the other thing is, Sean, one thing we should mention, which was, you know, interesting at the time, but by not bidding for Tory, by not um, really going nuts. And uh, well, he did that. He had Parsons actually, which is a huge, uh, or maybe not a huge score. So it looks like he's been downgraded to five, eight, six. So, but a solid starter, right? So, so he did add Parsons, but he has the most cap space of any team. So like, remember, like way back at the beginning, I said, oh, Washington Torres has been upgraded like three times. And now he's a 20 or 22 eight star or whatever. You know, here's a guy, Sean now has the, he has the room to take that guy on. No problem. Right. So, so yeah. So long story short, I mean, Detroit is really, really extremely good. And like Chicago, really all of his best players are like super young. And so they're going to actually improve over the course of the season. So, I mean, it wouldn't, I, I don't believe he's as good as LA. Cause I think LA is just like elite at almost every category, but, um, but I think Detroit is clearly the best team in the East though. I think that's a slam dunk. Well, you, you hit on one thing that I found frankly shocking and I had to like recheck the, the contracts page. Cause I thought there was like, you know, an error in the formula or something he's doing all this you know top top three offense top three pitching everything um division winner world series appearance he has the he's the third smallest payroll he's he's 12th in payroll 60 he's doing all this with 62 million which to me that's even more that's even even more amazing that that he can uh and, and i know that was one of the, the his focuses in the off season was um was just you know radically cutting cutting dead weight as much as possible, trimming trimming the 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 payroll down. So he's super well positioned. Number one, not only for like a mid season acquisition if you want to wants to make a deal for a pennant push, but also just in the long term by having you know being that that far below under the cap is going to set him up for you know good finances this year, which will then fill over in, into the next couple of years of making sure that he's you know maximizing that cap space. 
I think one of the reasons that happened is because he was, you know, for so long, Detroit was so bad. He was getting great picks. So it's like, yeah, it seems like a lot to have to, you know, spend $2.83 million on a guy. But when that guy is Ricky Henderson or becomes Bob Horner and they mature and then they're young and they're really good. And in, then that contract seems relatively cheap. And so he's had a lot of those kinds of guys. And Sean has been very, you know, smart about not going crazy and, you know, throwing a ton of money at uh, a player either like, uh, you know, a la Manhattan, which is like sign a guy for a million years for a bunch of money and then chat to figure out how to unload him, or like, you know, do something like I do, which is like, like just throw a lot of money for maybe not as long amount of time, like at a Billy Singer or someone like that. And then come to a point where, you know, I'm at now where it's like, he's probably getting paid too much money for what he's going to produce. Sean's always been really good at like never being that guy who commits to that kind of thing. And it's like, it's really paying off for him now. Cause yeah, like you say, Tim, I mean, he could, he could pretty much trade for whoever he wanted to. I mean, if, you know, if things were to go south for somebody, you know, I mean, if he wanted to trade for Tory, he could make it happen. I don't know anybody else that could make that happen. So, yeah, he's just been really never he's been very cautious. Sean is always cautious about the deals that he makes. But I think this is then this is a time where that's really paying off for him. So this team, yeah, it's poised to again, I have to agree with Glenn. I think it's definitely poised to win the East to be the beast of the East without question. And then I think maybe just not quite enough pieces there to, uh, to, to be better than Los Angeles, but definitely enough to, to maybe find himself in the world series again. Pete, what scares you most about Detroit? So, I mean, everything you guys have said is true. I think what's going to give them an edge over whoever comes out of the West is I'm not sure they're going to have to fight for the East. So if they get a you know an injury, an unexpected injury for a month or two to a stud, they can still probably win the East. Where I think if Chicago, LA, Seattle, and we're going to be in a dogfight, if one of us loses one of our top guys, we may be forced to go make a bad deal or fall out of the race. So I mean, I think that's really going to help him. He can rest guys if he wants to. I mean, he can kind of slow roll it and probably still make the playoffs. And in the playoffs, sometimes it's just who's the healthiest and who's the hottest, right? He should be able to come in healthy if he if he wants to. You know, he can definitely rest the guys. So that that's scary. The rest is obvious. I mean, you, you read the lineup, it's one through eight strong. You read the starting pitchers, one through five good. You look at the bullpen, they completely shut me down in the in the playoffs until game, I think, six and seven. I'm not even sure uh, Neil gave up a run. I think it was game six or seven. He finally gave up a run, Neil Allen. Until then, it was like Neil Allen or Tippy come in and innings six, seven, eight, nine are kind of done. So you have the first five to six innings to win. And that was it. So it, it's super scary team. All right. Let's move on to our final pick. Glenn, uh, tell us about L.A. Why is, why is L.A. number one overall? <laughs> oh, dude, come on. This guy's the highest rated team. This is ridiculous, dude. He is the highest rated team by a long shot. He has the best starters. And not only does he have the best starters, so so check this out. So like I said, I count the top three starters. Well, why do I do that? Because if you think about a team's going to have around 1,400 innings, well, between Durker, McAnally, and Martin, they're going to contribute 700 innings. So like that is essentially half, half of all his innings are going to come from guys rated 22 or higher i mean that is so good it's disgusting that is like peak 
Boston, right? That's like peak, uh, you know, Russell Blylev and figs from like two or three, three years ago or whatever, right? So, so that that's electric. His bullpen is, I mean, good. You know, he, he traded away that one guy, but again, see, Lee Smith could be 22 and he's improving. So, you know, the the bullpen's good, but but that's not even really the story. The story is is on offense. The dude has the highest rated offensive team, the highest, the best OBP. He has the best outfield by a wide margin. Well, guess what? He has Winfield, who's maybe the second best player. Anyway, a top five player, certainly. And he added Grieve. Dude, I don't even know what you traded. Like, what did you trade for this guy? Like, this is unbelievable. So I, I don't even know how this happened, but somehow, somehow he had Winfield and Murray. And he added Tom Green. <laughs> so, so I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, like I said, he has the highest rate team. If if he doesn't win his division, but the division is tough, right? I mean, so let's don't, you know, that, that's obviously like, you know, Seattle's for real, Chicago's for real. You know, there's other good teams in the league. But if this isn't the best team in the league, I will be flabbergasted. <laughs> oh, and did I mention? <laughs> just sorry. Did I mention the depth? Dude, there's guys on this team I'm trying to trade for. And Pete's like, eh, I don't think I'll trade him. I might just keep him for death. Maybe you want to give me a first for this guy. I mean, dude, he's got guys like LaFave, right? I mean, come on. LaFave could start at third base for like 10 or 11 teams in the league, right? So so the depth is also just ridiculous, you know? So, so I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like, it's clearly LA's the best team. Or LA and Detroit are the two best teams. Actually, I think LA's the best team, sorry. LA is the best team, then Detroit, and then everybody else is like, you know, bringing up the bring up the rear. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to argue with uh, what Pete's putting on the field. Um, I mean, you know, if you're gonna, if you want to ding him on a thing here and there, like you know, maybe relying on Atlee Hammerker. I mean, I don't understand. Not I don't not Atlee Hammerker. Although I don't understand Atlee Hammerker either. But uh, you know, I don't understand how Dave Rosema won 19 games. Like this guy just does not look like he should be that good to me but you know 13 wins the season before that 19 last year so he's figuring out how to get wins out of that guy and you know if you get if you can get that kind of performance again from rosma uh and add that to turker McAnally, and martin i mean that's just you know that's a scary one through four and yeah i mean it's just a really terrific offense and then you know you you stick grieve in the middle of that and it's you know it's hard to it's hard to argue that this isn't going to be certainly the best team, potentially the best team, but probably the best team in the West and, and, and you know, potentially the best team in the UL. It's, uh, you know, it's potentially another championship season for Pete, or maybe not. Who knows? Uh, Hammaker is in there because Lurch is hurt, um, but Lurch is going to be hurt. He's one of those guys. So I, there, there's weaknesses on this team. I, I lack depth at starting pitching. So I got grieved by trading Sutcliffe which I know at the moment is, is good, but Sutcliffe would have been an emergency starter. And then I traded Steve, which was my other number five starter. So that's how you end up with Atlee Hammaker. One day might be okay, but today he's not. He shouldn't be in the UL yet. Um, I also, I'm probably, as always, closest to the salary cap. I think I'm like 400K away this year or 350. So, I mean, I've gotten pretty close to not being able to do anything every year. So, you know, this is the team I'm going to go to war with. If there's injuries, I'm not sure how I make a move. The only positive I have is I have all my picks. So in theory, maybe if somebody really wants picks, I can get away with a 
with a deal to upgrade, but otherwise like this is it, this is what you're gonna get where Detroit can upgrade. And I'm sure Chicago and Seattle have enough flexibility that they could upgrade if they felt like it. I really can't like, this is the team. So yeah, you're at, I just checked, you're you're $55 under the cap. So if the coffee machine breaks, like the team's screwed. Yeah, I think that's the closest I've been able to get to the cap. I'm usually less than a mil away, but this is really the closest I've yeah. gotten. You and Eric are always like, you know, I always swing one deal. I need to cut. I need to cut a 500 guy and re-sign a 350, and that'll work. Well, you know, you can always uh, you can always do the old Oakland A's plan and start making the uh, players pay for the soda and the soda machine. Uh, well, you know, they sh- they're making a bunch of money on that uh, on that commercial in the off season, right? That like that was a huge deal. Was it Winfield? Like. Is that in, those in-game stories about like they, they did a promotional <laughs> commercial and it got picked up by the league because it was there was you know Hollywood. Team. I would like to see how Greed turns out though in this lineup. Last year, the, I think the biggest problem was Winfield was being protected by Roy, Roy Smalley, who, who I like at shortstop, but he's not a cleanup hitter. I'm kind of interested to see what a Murray Winfield Greed two three four can do when you can't really pitch around Winfield. It's pretty scary. I think the only lineup. Again, like kind of what Glenn was saying, the only lineup that comes close to this in terms of offense is uh, is Detroit. I don't know. That pretty much wraps us up. Do we have any other final comments? Anyone make any like, any? Does anyone have any dark horse picks or like players they think are going to like have surprising breakout years? Anything like that? Rock Reigns, breakout year for Rock Reigns. He's finally he's he's finally come to be. He's not even totally what he could be, but I mean, again, he's he. Got bumped to a seven contact, which is is pretty darn good with with room to grow. And his eyes now maxed out at seven, and the guy can steal bases like crazy. And he's going to get a chance to do it. He's going to get the lead off. So I predict breakout year for Rock Reigns. Uh, my team, Dwayne Murphy, is the guy I'm still looking at. You know, he seems to me he's uh, Gorman Thomas, a, a worse version, but he's Gorman Thomas in the making. Center fielder that's got good range, eye and power, and he this. Off season, he got another upgrade in power and eyes, so he started to get there. I probably started him in the majors a little bit too early, but he's starting to catch up to his talent level. Oh yeah, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't mention. I always, I always pick uh, the worst cleanup hitter in the league award this year. I'm going to go with uh, Glenn's got a guy here, uh, Glenn Wilson. Uh, Glenn, cool name Wilson, uh, center fielder. Jumping right at not only is he on the big league roster, but hey, what the heck, put him in the cleanup spot uh, <laughs> behind Leon Durham. So I think that's my pick for the uh, weakest cleanup hitter. Most years, there's a couple guys to pick from, but I mean, I'm looking around the league. You got Schmidt, Lescano, Parrish, obviously Horner. Well, you know, Bernie Carbo might be a close second in that category. I was going to look at Washington, but they've got Tory, so, you know. Uh, yeah, it's probably got to be between uh, Bernie Carbo and Glenn Wilson for the worst cleanup hitter. And one thing else I'd like to add, though, is also, so maybe this is like a lesson for people in the league to think about. If you look at the elite teams, or like we just mentioned, Seattle, Chicago, LA, those are all cases where guys made, or at least Chicago and Seattle, actually, sorry, guys made really good pickups of starting pitchers cheap you know chicago got schuler last year for a second round pick and seattle this year got um nick williams for a second round pick those are 20 rated starters if you can get a a 20 rated starter for a second round pick you should 
he ripped the other guy's arm off to do that trade every time, right? And then in Pete's example, he kind of did the opposite, right? Even though, you know, you're you're giving away starters because you just gave the example of a of Sutcliffe. But but if you're trading a fifth starter for Tom Greve, you know, the best power hitter in the league, that does also feel like a, a good value trade, right? So so I think these like little value trades, maybe they don't seem like a lot, you know, again, you're trading a second round pick for somebody, but I think those little value trades really, really matter. And they, they add up a lot, you know? So what was my moral of my story? Oh, stockpile starters so that either you can get starters cheap to, to fill your team or you can trade them later for, you know, MVPs like Tom Grieve. I'll mention one. I mean, I will say one other thing. It's like since you mentioning Grieve, it's, you know, you mentioned right player for the right ballpark i mean la is one of the more pitcher friendly ballparks so you know grieve is leaving denver which is one of probably the most offensive uh, ballparks there's probably a couple more out there that are pretty offensive and going to los angeles which you know tends to um suppress home runs i mean for left-handed batters it's 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 a 934 so that's pretty pretty low there's definitely some other parks that are lower but you know i i could see actually grieve actually not having as good of a season as he's had in the past. And again, uh, you know, being a guy who maybe loses some, uh, some in the OPS just because he doesn't have the ballpark to hit as many home runs. in. so not that that's necessarily going to keep um, LA from winning uh, the West or winning or having the best record, but you know, it is something to, to maybe look out for. That brings us to the conclusion of our season preview. I want to thank Pete in particular for coming on as a special guest. It's my pleasure. And congrats again on your 1981 championship. Um, hey, who's that? Who's booing over there? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Uh, how, how I thought that was a move. I yeah. thought you wanted Mookie Wilson. Back <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mookie yeah, Wilson a, is available. I've heard Mookie Wilson is on the trading block. All right. Well, that's it. That wraps us up. So thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you all next time on Circuit Clouds. Thank you.